If you have your Bibles tonight, we're interested in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Thank you, sir. Chapter number 2. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 2. A few weeks ago, we felt led to begin a series of messages out of this wonderful book of 1 Thessalonians entitled, Prepare for the Second Coming. Jesus is coming. And the more I watch the news, the more I am persuaded <laughs> that it's going to happen any day. I'm telling you, any hour, any minute, Jesus is coming. Now, as we've been looking at 1 Thessalonians, let's just talk about Paul's second missionary journey. Paul left on his second missionary journey, and he had a Macedonian call. And he went across into Europe. He came to Philippi. And then he came over to Thessalonica. And when he did, he preached the word of God there for three Sabbath days. And many Jews and many Gentiles were gloriously saved. But there was also an uproar and a tumult because, and chaos because the Jews, many of them, rejected and resented the preaching of the gospel of grace. And they took the man named Jason that had received Paul into his home and they drug him off to jail and beat some of the other people that were Christians. And they had to take, uh, they had to take, uh, uh, made Paul make a pledge. The word is security in the scripture. And I believe it was probably Paul pledged that they would let Jason and the believers go if Paul would leave town. And so Paul said, well, I've already preached the word. The seed's been planted. I can go to the next place and watch what the word of God will do. Many have received the word, and that's what he did. And the word of God is growing and working in a very populated and prominent city called Thessalonica. And Paul is now at Athens, and he's burdened. He's worried. He feels disconnected uh, from seeing the people. He's burdened for them. He's praying for them. And he sends Timothy to go back and check on the people of Thessalonica and give him report of how things are going. And when Timothy comes back, he reports, better than you think. I mean, they got faith. They've got love. They're doing great. Praise God. There's persecution. Uh, there's all kinds of problems. But the word of God is continuing to grow and the church is being firmly established. And for these reasons, Paul was very thankful. He begins to write to them a letter. A letter to tell them how he's praying for them. A letter to give them some instruction. And as he does, in every chapter, you're finding evidences of the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's encouraging them to prepare that Jesus is coming. We're going to pick this up tonight in verse number 13, and I want to preach on this thought. The church with the message to impart. Oh, tonight. Are we the church? Amen. Do we have, not a message, do we have the message to impart? Oh, you better believe we have the message. Preacher Darren, what is the message to impart? The message is this, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures 
and that he was buried and on the first day he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And the gospel is life-changing. It is transforming. Have you heard it? Have you received it? Have you believed it? Praise God if you have. It's changed your life as well. So we see number one. There is the approach to the word of God. You know tonight as we come in the house of God, there is an approach we should have to God's word. Look at verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Paul says, you folks at Thessalonica, you've received the preaching of the gospel. You've received it not as the word of men. You received it as the word of God. And when you received it, you've responded properly to it. Now let's talk a minute for, about that and give you a poor illustration of what I think he's trying to say to us. There was a little girl, her mother said, go out and tell your brother it's time to come in for supper. And the little girl went out and she said, brother, it's time to come in for supper. He didn't slow down. He kept playing. He kept going wild just like he always did. So she said, I'll have to get a little harsher. Brother, it's time to come in. He still wouldn't slow down. Then she said it. Brother, mama said, it's time to come in for supper. And he halted what he was doing and retreated his tracks and ran back in the house. You see, when sister said that the word came from mama, it changed his perspective. We're not here preaching the words of men. This is not the ideologies of humankind. This is the word of God, amen. What matters is who said it. What matters is whose word that it is. Hey, thank God, we are preaching the infallible, inerrant, inspired word of God. I was reminded this week Many years ago, there was a man in Hendersonville, North Carolina, in the area that tried to drive his car off of Jump Off Rock. If you've ever been there, it's pretty easy to do. His intent was to take his own life. Problem was, when his car went off, it hung on a tree, and his life was spared, and he only broke a leg and a few ribs. And he was in the hospital, and I read about it in the paper. And the Holy Ghost said, I want you to see this man. Well, I've never met him. And I prayed about it, said, God, I'll, I'll be praying for him. God said, it's not what I told you to do. I want you to go see this man. So I got on my necktie, and I went down to the hospital. I went in the back way, went up to the right floor, walked down to the nurse's desk and said, I'm here to see, called his name. And they said, you're here to see him? Yes. He has no family. We're unaware that he really has any friends based on what he said. I said, well, I'm here to see him. And they said, well, who sent you? I said, the Lord sent me. They said, what? Who sent you to see this guy? How do you know him? I said, the Lord told me to come see him. 
They said, wait right here. They went down the hall, went to his room, and came back and said, he said he'd love to talk to you, but he don't know who you are. I said, I've never met him, but I can't wait to meet him in a minute. Went down the hall, walked in his room, and he said, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a preacher, I don't want to hear anything. I said, I am a preacher, but I'm not here to tell you about me. I'm here to tell you about the Lord. He sent me to talk to you, and he said, I do not believe the word of God is true. I believe it was written by men, fables, poetry at best. And I looked at him, and this is what God had me do. I said, there's a pen laying on your table. Would you pick it up? He did with his right hand. And I said, would you write the letter A, capital? Capital A. Would you write a small A? He did. Laid down the pen. I said, wow, that pen did a great job. Beautiful handwriting, penmanship. That is a great pen. He said, the pen had nothing to do with it other than the fact I picked it up. I'm the one made it move. I'm the one made the A. My mother taught me to have good penmanship. It was not you. It was not the school. I don't even know where you're going with this. I said, the word of God. The Lord picked up a man and wrote with him. And all writers perfectly agree, not one contradiction throughout scripture. And by the time I finished, he got saved. And I'm going to tell you something, y'all. He received it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. Now, the book of Luke tells us about the seed that we plant being the word of God. And I want to read Matthew chapter 13, which goes along with the book of Luke. Turn with me to Matthew 13. What Jesus had to say about the seed, which is the word of God, and how it is... Received. Now, Paul said, you didn't receive it as the word of men. You received it as the word of God. So let's look at Matthew 13, and let's begin to read in verse number 3 about what Jesus said about the word of God being sown, how it is to be received. Matthew 13, verse 3. Jesus' words. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. And the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. Disciples begin to ask, why is he speaking in parables? What does this mean? What's he talking about? Sowing seed on, on stony ground and, and thorns choking up. What does it mean? Verse number 18. Verse 18. Jesus says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. He received it. But the birds, the fowls, the devil takes it away. Verse 20. But he that, there's our word again, received the seed in the stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not rude in himself but dureth for a while. 
For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by, he's offended. That's that that was received in the stony ground. And when trials and times get tough, he's gone. Verse 22. He also that, there's our word, received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. See that? He received it. But the cares of the world, the distractions and the business and all the things that's got to be done took the seed and the word of God right out of his heart. Verse 23, but he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Five times the word received to explain four different types of soil. I thought that was interesting. Now let's think for just a minute what's, what's being said here. The word of God can be received in a variety of ways. But here's what happens. How the word of God is received, it was received on stony ground, on thorny ground, on, it was received in the good ground. How the word of God is received determines the fruit determines how you respond to the word, determines the fruit. How do you and I as a church receive the word of God when it's preached? Does everybody here, when I preach to ever how many people are here, does every single, single person receive the word of God in their hearts and their lives and they go home and say, yes, I've, I've, got, I've, got, I've got a blessing. I, does that happen every Sunday? Absolutely not. Does it happen with every believer on any one Sunday? Absolutely not. And so here's the thing. We ought to come to church and say, Lord, prepare my heart and help me to not only receive the word of God, but to respond to the word of God that my life might be changed, that my life might be helped. That's what's got to happen. I want to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Kind of already spoken about this, but I want to read it. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have, what's that word? Received, which you have received and wherein you stand. By which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Paul said, what I'm trying, the message I'm imparting to you is a message that I received myself. God gave it to me, I give it to you how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It's about receiving the word of God. Now, I want to go over to Galatians chapter 1. It's very close. Galatians, to flip over to the right, a couple of books. Galatians chapter 1, I want to read in verse 11. Looking for that word, um, about speaking about it being received. Galatians 1 verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I received it not, no, 
For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. You get that? I didn't receive it from man, neither was I taught it from man. It was by the revelation of Jesus Christ. I received the word from Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you something. If you received the word, it was the Holy Spirit to your heart through the power of Jesus Christ that caused you to hear the word of God. You were dead in trespasses and in sins when the word of God was declared to you. And receiving it brought you life and it's transformed and it's changed your life forever. Hallelujah. Now, Paul's saying, I'm just giving to you what God gave to me. So will you hear me for a second? So when you're on your way home after Sunday morning church and you decide to have roast preacher for dinner, and you start talking about the sermon, how long it was or how dry it was, and you have innocent ears sitting in your car, you're just accountable for what you just said because you just criticized the preaching of God's infallible word. And it may change someone's opinion or their reception of the word of God and could alter their eternal destiny. That's why we ought not to be fussing and fighting in a church setting. We're dealing with the souls of men. The eternal difference between hell or heaven. We've got to be careful and love each other. This is not the word of men. This is not a game. This is not monopoly. This is the word of God for all of eternity. It desire, listen, we, first of all, there's a particular reception, but then there's a proper response. Go back with me to the text. I, I'm hung up in verse 13. The end of verse 13. You receive it as the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Some people believe that change is not necessary. Some people believe that change is not possible. But listen, some say I don't need to be saved. Some say I can't be saved. Oh honey, it's not that you can't be saved, it's that you won't be saved. Because he'll save anybody that'll call upon his name. But if you believe the word of God, it really answers both questions. Paul preached three Sabbath days. They received and responded and it changed their lives. The result was effective. The word of God will make a difference. Okay, number one, we need to have the proper approach to the word of God. Look at verse 14. We see number two. There needs to be an amending of ways. Verse 14. For ye brethren, brethren, what does that word mean? Born of the same womb. I was born again by the blood of Jesus. How about you? How about you? The blood, we're brothers and sisters because we were born from the same womb. What's Paul saying? For ye brethren became followers of the churches of God which are in Judea which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you are following the churches in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea. The early church, it began in Judea. We know that uh, in, in Jerusalem and in Judea, and, and they were first called Christians in Antioch, and we know the word of God began to spread. Listen, when they came to this well-populated city, there were three people, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. That's all the believers that there were. What about that? 
And they came and they preached there at three weeks. The Bible says in Acts 17, 4, that they consorted. That means that they spent time with these believers and they amended their ways and became followers of the churches of God that were in Judea. And they're in Christ Jesus. So I'm gonna ask you, we talked about this the other day. Paul told the church, follow me even as I follow Christ. I'm asking tonight, who do you follow? Who do you follow? Well, I've got a lot of people I follow on Facebook. I've got a lot of people I follow. I'm not talking about that, but that is a good question. <laughs> who is it tonight that you follow? Our family was going to take a trip, a pretty far trip, and we were going to all take separate cars, and we were trying to decide who would be the leader. Well, one of us quickly recognized that if we followed so-and-so in our family, they drive way too slow. We'd never get there. So you can't follow them. And then another one of them, they follow, or they drive way too fast. And we're all going to be risking it for the biscuit. I'm just telling you, if we follow them, we're all just about going to get killed. And another one of them in the family, if they drive, they're going to make a pit stop at every exit. I got to go to the bathroom. I need to get coffee. I want a Dr. Pepper. I want a Mr. Pepper. I mean, I'll stop, stop, stop. We'd, it takes 18 hours to go 30 minutes with these people because they always stop. So we can't follow because they're too slow. We can't follow because they're too fast. We can't follow because they're always stopping. Which one of us is the best to follow? You see, that's a worthy question. Tonight, who is it that you follow? Do you follow Jesus Christ? Do you follow the church as they follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Paul says, you're following other believers in Judea. Look what? Look. they not just following some spiritual examples. Look at verse 14. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. In other words, they have similar experiences. The early church at Jerusalem, when people were getting saved by the grace of God, there was much resentment and rejection and persecution of those believers. But the word of God went to Judea. And there was much persecution and resentment. And the word of God still continued to spread. And Paul said at Thessalonica, you all are just like the church at Jerusalem and the churches of Judea in that you are suffering, you're being persecuted, there is ridicule. I want to say to you tonight, did you know that the world hates us? I want to read out of John 15. Turn with me to John 15. John chapter 15. Jesus' words. If you won't take my word for it, take what Jesus said. John 15. They're facing common experiences, similar experiences. John 15, verse number 18. Jesus' words. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they've persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, 
they will keep yours also. Amen. What about that? If they hate Jesus, they're going to hate us. If they persecute the church at Jerusalem that's in Christ Jesus, they're going to persecute the church that's in Thessalonica that's in Christ Jesus. Because the attack is on God's people. They're against God's people. May I say that we are in a pandemic together. And when I went to seminary, they did not train me how to get through a pandemic. I have no clue. But I know this, that we're all having a similar experience right now. The pandemic has riots. Oh, yes, it does. Well, preacher, Darren, it's sickness. Oh, it's COVID. You're right. But look at the violence, the criminal activity, the racial animosity. And it's generating much hate in California and in other uh, cities throughout the United States. If you had church during the pandemic, they find you. Thousands and thousands of dollars. And I'm going to tell you something. Those fines were never about your health. Those fines were about hate. We do not want you to gather in the name of Jesus Christ. They told the other disciples, we'll let you go, but when we do, don't you preach in the name of Jesus anymore. If the world hates Jesus, it's going to hate you and I. That's just the word of God. They're attacking God's people. I saw a man who had a sign, hold it up during the pandemic. Listen what it said. If Jesus returns, we'll kill him again. That's what they said. How foolish. Honey, you didn't kill him the first time. He gave his life. He had the power to lay it down and he had the power to take it again. You want to stop Jesus? Stop the sun from shining. You want to stop Jesus? Stop the moon from getting up during the middle of the night. You want to stop Jesus? Stop the earth from spinning. He's the one put those things in existence, honey, and you can't stop it. It'll never be stopped because Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and he's King of kings. He's the name above all names. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. Lord, Lord, glory to God tonight. He's the omnipotent one. He's the all-powerful one. I feel preaching stirring my soul because there's attack on God's people tonight. And this attack is also on God's plan. The attack is on God's plan for marriage. Say amen. It aborts babies. It redefines gender. And it tries to destroy society. And to accept such things is to deny and to reject God's word. And God's word is very clear. And if we receive it as the word of God and not as the word of men, it will change your life. My soul. There's an attack on the gospel proclamation. Look with me in verse 15. These early persecutors of the church at Jerusalem and of Judea and at Thessalonica and even where you live tonight who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men. Underline. Contrary to all men. Here's a Greek word. All. Everybody. That's what it means. It means everybody. Inclusive. If you're a believer, they're contrary to all men. The agenda is not just against the Jews. It's not just that believe. It's not just against the early church. Oh no. It hates. The world hates Jesus. Jesus. 
And what did Jesus say about the world? For God so loved the world. He loves them, but they sure don't love him back. That's another message. Verse 16. Forbidding us. Here's our word. You see right now the fines. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. To fill up their sins always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. You see, the opposition is to the gospel on every hand. If you're a believer tonight and you proclaim it, you're not popular at school. You're not popular in the job, on the career, in the marketplace. It is not a popular thing to be. I'm telling you, it's scary. Look with me. Number three, verse 17. Paul gives the assuring words. But we, brethren being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Remember I told you how they drove Paul away from Thessalonica after being there for three weeks. Can I read it? Let's, let's just go look at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Verse 1 says, They passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, and they came to Thessalonica. Verse 2 says, Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with, that means spent time with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks and great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few, but the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Well, let's just jump down to verse 9. Verse 9, this, this is going to be a civil matter. And when they had taken security of Jason, what is, what's the security? What, what do you think that is? probably that Paul pledged to leave. And of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. They left by night. Paul is driven away. But he says, back to, back, back to our text, we were taken from you. We, physically, we can't be with you, but not in heart. Our heart, our spirit, still is with you and longs for you. We endeavor to see your face with a great desire. You know, this pandemic, it has us all in uncharted waters. I mean, there's people in and there's people out. There's people up and there's people down. And, and I've talked to some preacher friends of mine and in their church, the bottom is dropping out. I mean, they're mad because he didn't call. They're mad because he did call. They're, they're, I'm telling you, I've never seen the like in all the born days of my life. And some people just stay home and say, well, I'm just going to watch online, and that's the end of it. I get it. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Social media was meant to connect us, but rather it has disconnected us. And it separated us. Well, preacher, you should have ever put in the live stream. Yeah. And you never should have got a cell phone. 
and you sit around texting your buddies and face. Wait a minute, now you leave me out of it. No. I watched people sit the other day at a restaurant and they never even talked to each other, but they sat here and texted 83 people, I guess it was, that they wasn't even around, but they couldn't even have a conversation they were, with someone they were sitting with. You see, the media, social media, that was meant to connect us has separated us. We can't even talk face to face anymore. Oh my. And Paul says, I may feel disconnected from you. I may be separated from you, but my heart loves you. And I desire to see your face and I pray for you every single day. Well, i tell you what. To hear Paul preaching, thank God for it. But these believers receive the word of God not as the word of men, but the word from God. And how they responded was even as great as his preaching must have been. And I'm telling you, he gives them some assuring words. He loves this church at Thessalonica. And may I say to you, I love the church at Bethel. And I hope you love the church at Bethel. I love the people of God. Fourthly, verse 18. I see some adversarial warfare. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Wow. Paul, the man of God, who has a heart for the saints, Paul, the man of God, is saying he's being hindered by Satan. Preacher Darren, I wonder how he was hindered. We, we, I'm glad I don't know because he hinders us all in different ways. But I know this, I've done enough business with him to know he's real. He's a real devil. And he resists and brings great opposition. His resistance, his rebellion is seeking our ruin. He's against anything that glorifies God. He's against anyone who wants to serve God. He's against every marriage in this church. He's against every young person serving God in this church. He's against your pastor. He's against your Sunday school teacher. He's against your wife. He's against your husband. He's against your home. Let me tell you, he's out to hinder you tonight. Oh my. The devil went after Job. Why did Job have bereavement of all ten children? Why did Job have bankruptcy? Why did Job have bulls on his body? Why did Job have a, a bride that said, cuss God and die? Why did Job have some buddies that were miserable comforters? It all got stirred up by the devil. Who was it that wanted to take Simon Peter and sift him? Who was it that came to Paul as a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan? First Timothy. Turn there. We're close. Two books to the right. First Timothy chapter 3. Turn there with me. First Timothy chapter 3. This is talking about someone who's, someone who's going to use the office of a bishop. I mean a, a, a preacher. Let's look with him in verse number 6 about this man of God. Not a novice. Not a novice. Lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the 
devil. You know who the devil's after? He's after the preacher. He's after anybody who will set a course to serve God. He's after you, Christian. And he was after Paul. And he sought to hinder him. And many times he effectively hindered Paul from doing what Paul wanted to do. The devil went after Jesus. The Spirit drave Jesus after Jesus was baptized into the wilderness. And the devil came to him to tempt him three times with great opposition. But yet Jesus took the Word of God, the seed of the Word of God, and defeated and destroyed the devil. And hear me, if Jesus can defeat the devil, he can defeat the devil in your life and in mine and in this church. He is greater, and tonight, though old Slewfoot is running around, he is a defeated enemy on short terms. Hey, man, I could read to you out of Revelation, devil, if you're listening tonight, and remind you about your end. It's a certain end you're coming to. Now, we're going to look with, with me here and verse, go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 and look at verse number 19. This is our last point and I'm done. And I'm, it's just speaking about those that are awaiting his witness. Jesus is coming. Now, look with me in verse 19. He just said, the devil's hindering me. I want to see you, but the devil's hindering me. And I know you've received the word of God as the word from God, but the devil's hindering me. Verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. This is what he said. You know what I rejoice in, says Paul? Though I'm hindered by the devil, I'm going to tell you what I rejoice in. I'm rejoicing that you got saved. And one day, when I stand before God, I'm going to be able to rejoice with great joy because I know that that person and that person and that person, when I preached or when I testified, when I witnessed, when I talked to them about Jesus, Jesus saved them the same way he saved me. And for me, Paul says, that's going to be a great joy. I, I, don't, need, I don't need all that. Listen, he talks about a crown of rejoicing, and I can speak to you about the crowns in the Bible. And I had that all laid out to do, and the Lord said, leave that alone. You're missing the point right there. Here's the point. Are you making a difference in someone's life? The other day, I had gone uh, to a certain place and, um, to help somebody. And a lady, she came out to try to help, assist us. And when she did, she said, Preacher Darren, that's you. Do you remember me? I looked at her. She said, she called her name. I didn't remember her name. But she said, I came to hear you in revival. And I got saved. And it changed my world. And then my children got saved as a result. And we didn't necessarily come to your church. That's why you don't remember me. But I'll never forget you. <laughs> one day when we get to heaven we're going to look around and somebody's going to come say praise God for you you share with me the word of God you, you encourage me you, you talk to me about me and youngins it's going to be worth it all when we stand before the Lord and listen, it's not about how many crowns. Listen, that's great. We're going to lay them at his feet. That's wonderful. I want to have something to lay at his feet. But most importantly, 
Paul says, my joy, my rejoicing is you believers at Thessalonica. Y'all got saved. When I went there and preached, there wasn't a church in the city. There was only me, Silas, and Timothy. There was no believers around. And I stood up in the middle of the synagogue and began to preach Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and risen again. And you responded and got saved. And you are our crown of rejoicing. And I rejoice for all of eternity. You see, the church has the message to impart. We have a message to preach. We have a message to proclaim. It is that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again on the first day of the week. And youngins, he's coming again. He's speaking about when the Lord Jesus, look, you're in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Here he is again eluding Jesus. Is coming. Prepare for the second coming. I'm done right here. Poor illustration. Mercedes-Benz, y'all ever heard of them? The car manufacturer. One of their leading engineers invented and further developed a great safety technology which was now the property of Mercedes-Benz exclusively. Nobody else had the right to put these safety mechanisms in their car but Mercedes-Benz. And Mercedes-Benz did the unthinkable. They shared it and made it available to all other manufacturers. They just gave it to them. And they were asked, the CEO, why would you do that? Why would you share that technology when you could have made billions of dollars? And he said, some things are too important not to share. It saves lives. And it's too important not to share. Hey, church, the message that we have to impart, it's too important not to share it. Don't put it under a bushel. Don't hide it under the bed. Go out and proclaim it. Preach it. Live by it. It may not be acceptable in today's marketplace and today's standards but it still is the standard of the infallible word of God. It's not the precepts of men. It is the power of God and the salvation. And I'm asking you, I'm challenging you, church, take the message and impart it. Preach it, proclaim it, share it with others. It will make an eternal difference. You'll stand to your feet tonight. Father, I thank you for the word of God, for the challenge of this text. Paul, how he was disconnected. Oh, no, Lord, how I see a disconnect right now in the day and age in which we live. Yet he prayed and was burdened and he felt hindered by Satan. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt in my mind that Satan is behind all this schemes and manipulation, God, that's going on right now. He's behind it all. Yet, Lord, we ought to be encouraged because people are still being saved. People are still attending. People are still loving one another. People are still responding in faith. People are still serving God. Though the bottom drops out and it causes men to fear, there are still enough believers that just believe God. 
to make an eternal difference. Help us, God, to be strong. Help us, God, because there's something too important not to share. And for this we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.